This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel. This is episode number 63. The topic of which is going to be the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So, for this topic... And I've said this ad nauseum in previous podcasts that um, a lot of the principles in secular life can be, or I should say a lot of the principles in the spiritual life, which are God's principles, can also be applied to the secular life. And especially um, the concept of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Now, when I talk about this particular topic, I'm talking about if you are in a position of authority. And it doesn't matter in the spiritual realm, if you're a spiritual director, priest, monk, abbot, uh, bishop, whatever, you're in charge of people's souls. There's that spiritual aspect, but it also applies in, in the secular realm if you're some sort of supervisor with the power of inflicting discipline upon the people underneath of you. So, and so, what am I talking about when I talk about this? Um, I don't remember, I don't think that, uh, the statement, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, I don't believe that Jesus used that in any of his Gospels. I do not believe that at all. But he does talk about it when he's um, going off on the Pharisees about their hypocrisy. Um. Now, I have read spiritual commentators um, from traditional Catholic sources and, and and for the sake of honesty, for the sake of honesty, I'm going to say not just pre-Vatican II Catholic sources, but from Vatican II sources and Protestant sources who talk about the spirit of the law being mercy and charity 
and the letter of the law literally meaning the rule itself. That, that, the most bottom line explanation I can give for the, for the concept of the letter of the law is the rule itself. And the spirit of the law being, you know, mercy and charity. Now, how do these two work together? In the secular realm, I'm going to give this example. Let's say you, you are a supervisor on a job. And you know that a particular employee works that works for you has to walk to work and he's worked for you for a little while and this person is generally on time and if not on time early because he walks now the letter of the law and I'm just using the term but let's just say your company handbook says well if a person is going to be late they have to call you an hour before the start of their shift but let, for this particular example let's say the person calls 45 minutes before the start of their shift oh and, and for further clarification on this example, when the person comes in, um, they do what you ask. They don't give you any guff. They give you above and beyond what you ask of them. And you can basically trust them when, when they are on their position to, to hold down that position and do a, a, a good job on that position. So in this scenario, the rule book says you have to call an hour before the start of your shift, according to the company handbook. And one day this person um, calls 45 minutes before the start of his shift. And says, oh, by the way, um, something unexpected came up. Uh, I've got to be at my house until, let's just say you scheduled them for 5 p.m. I got to stay at my house until 5, but as soon as, you know, as soon as 5 o'clock comes around, I'll be coming into work, so I'm going to be late. And you already know it takes them 30 minutes to get to where they're going uh, to come from where they're going to get to work. So you know they're going to be a half hour late. And you turn around and say, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to write you up for being late. Now, by the spirit of the law, the, the spirit of the rule, you were absolutely correct in writing that person up. You were absolutely correct in writing that person up because that's what the rule book says. 
But the spirit of the law means in this particular scenario, let's just say the person, they have a good attitude, they, they work hard, they do their work, but occasionally they really annoy you and they get on your nerves and you find them to be a real pain in your butt. But for whatever reason, you would you, you keep it to yourself but inside, you're kind of resentful at this person because even though he, this person's coming in, he's working hard, he's got a good attitude or whatever, um, he's getting on your nerves. And let's just say the reason you don't say anything to them is because you know the person's of goodwill and they're not actually trying to be annoying. Just being annoying is a side product of who they are as a person. And so, for the sake of charity, for this example, I'm going to say maybe you're not even unaware of this, of this uh, issue inside of you. When, when you make that call, when you literally make that call and say, well, hey, you know, you, you really annoy me, or you're not telling them that, but this person really annoys me, I'm going to write him up. The spirit of the law, which I already said, according to even, even the uh, heretical Bible, biblical commentators means mercy and charity. If you know that this person's working for you in good faith and they've been working for you for a decent chunk of time and they're, this is the one time that they're being late but you decide, well, I'm going to enforce the letter of the law. Now, like I said, you could even be unaware that the reason you're being this way is because either consciously or consciously this person you know gets on your nerves but you you have at least enough charity to understand that they're probably not doing it on purpose and um so so you write them up now once again you are correct in that they broke the law. However, you are wrong if you consider yourself to be a Christian and not understanding the spirit of the law, which is you're to try to show mercy and charity to people Um. For, for the sake of keeping this simple, I, I don't want to get in a larger aspect of this principle. So I'll just say, for the sake, um, you're, you're, you're breaking the law in the sense that you're not showing a person mercy and charity and that you, you can see that this person is of goodwill. And honestly speaking, 
because people are individuals, this particular type of attitude differs from person to person because people are individuals. However, however, there's some hypocrisy with some people involved if one of their favorites is constantly late, does not put forth a constant good effort, sometimes will have a bad day and take it out on either you or your fellow co-workers, and they constantly, you know, they... They're, they're, they're constantly late. Five minutes here, 15 minutes there. But, they're con- but, you cut, but, but you do not write them up. You do, not, it, you do not put the letter of the law on them because you like them personally. Maybe they're a friend of yours. Maybe they may even be a relative who happens to work with you. But you cut them slack because... Oh, hey, you know, um, this is so-and-so. I like them. I'm, I'm going to cut them slack. Now, don't get me wrong. This particular hypocrisy is with every human being. As I've stated in previous episodes, there were certain things from coworkers that I would not tolerate, that I tolerated from good friends of mine. Who, if I hadn't been such a hypocrite, I would have recognized, should have known better than to treat me that way. But I put up with it because, you know, personal considerations. I like them. That's hypocrisy, plain and simple. And the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law, the foundation of being a stickler for the letter of the law is hypocrisy because we are humans and we are flawed individuals. We're cutting slack to our favorites and then we're jumping, uh, we're, we're enforcing the letter of the law on those we find annoying, off-putting, or what, whatever reason we have. That is the secular example. In the spiritual example, and as I said, the basis of the letter, the whole letter of the law attitude is is hypocrisy. Because you're allowing what I call personal considerations color how you're treating, and in, in this case, I'm talking about spiritual leaders, priests, uh, abbots, um, mother superiors, you know, people in authority. You're playing favorites with them. And that is not a true Catholic principle. That is absolutely not a true Catholic principle. Now, 
before I get accused of trying to lecture um, those above my pay grade on how they should act, this is not aimed at anybody in um, authority in the true Catholic Church. I'm talking about the principle. This is not personal. This is not aimed at anyone. I'm talking about the principle of impartiality when it comes to enforcing rules. And what I mean, it, it, it actually it goes deeper than impartiality. Because part of the concept of showing mercy and charity toward a person is getting to know the circumstances. Okay? Now, because of present era, this concept for, for certain individuals and certain set of Acontis organizations is going to be nearly impossible to enforce without God's help because of the situation we're in. We literally have priests that are circuit riders that are running five or six churches during the week. And that situation, you know, necessarily getting to know your parishioners, especially if the churches that you're dealing with have more than, say, five, five people. And even then, if, if let's just say, you're running five churches and your smallest church is five and the rest are at least 10 or above, you know, it, it's, you know, five or five churches, that's a lot of people. So it's a lot of people to, to keep track of. But it goes much deeper than impartiality. Now, to those of you who may be theological geeks and this aspect has been covered by Bishop Sanborn, his priests at his seminary and um, other set of accountants, prelates and clergy that when it, you know, God does play favorites even when it comes to his own saints. I mentioned this in a previous episode that God loves the Blessed Mother Mary a lot more than his most favorite saint. And for obvious reasons. But he does play favorites. But that does not mean that when meeting out justice, that we should not take personal considerations into things. And while I'm talking about the concept of justice, it, I have said several times that Jesus is the just judge. Now, this is just my own thought on the subject. The reason I call Jesus the just judge is because he made each of us as individuals and deals with us on individual levels 
when we go before him for judgment, since he made us and he knows us, he knows us intimately. It's the best way I can put it. Um, he's going to make allowances for our personal failings and our, um, our faults. Unless, of course, we do not take his grace when it's offered. Or if we knowingly violate his will. Now this is my understanding of it. I'm not claiming any sort of infallibility with this. This is just my thought. You take it for what it's worth. And I believe that we as humans, I've already given my secular example, so I'm going to say in the spiritual realm, and by the way, you don't necessarily need to be a uh, true Catholic priest or prelate in an authoritative position. You could just be a regular layman, Joe, uh, Joe Pewsitter who goes to church when you can and is just trying to be the best Catholic that you can be. This principle also applies to, to us because that, that's what I consider myself. I'm Joe Pewsitter. I, I attend church as often as I can. I try to receive the sacraments when I can. And when I'm not in church, I just try to lead the best um. I try to please God and his blessed mother as best as I can. Um, but when, when meeting out justice, or I'm sorry, when, well, yes, <laughs> when meeting out justice or um, when enforcing discipline or um, dealing with an individual, we should err on the side of mercy. And when I say, because I've actually heard Sedvacantus prelates and, and priests say this, that we should err on the side of mercy. And what they mean by that is, I think that they were mainly talking about themselves, is that um, insofar as possible, we should try to take good faith effort into consideration before we impose any sort of dare I say, judgment or uh, penalty. And just, just as an autistic aside, one of the most iconic images for 
Xers and before the generations was there were a lot of statues back in the day of the Statue of Justice. And the Statue of Justice was a female who was blindfolded and she was holding up scales, meaning that justice is blind. Now, to those of you, you can call it cynicism if you want to. I prefer to call it being uh, realistic. Justice can never be blind unless it's a saint. Justice can never be blind because we as human beings, um, we are subjective in our outlook and in our thinking. So even the best intention judge who is not corrupt and is just doing his duty as best as he can may have a day where maybe before he goes to court or she, because it's present era, before they, they fight with their spouse or maybe they have a bad breakfast and their stomach is really hurting them or maybe before they go to hear a case, they get a really bit of bad news. No matter how good their intentions may be, I guarantee you it's going to affect their judgment when they're hearing a case because we're human. So the concept of justice being blind, it's ridiculous. It's a Masonic lie. Justice is human justice. I want to stress that. Human justice is not blind. That's a Masonic lie. You will never get, and I will never get tired of pounding this home, you will never get justice while on this earth. You will never get true mercy while on this earth. You will never get um, empath true empathy or consideration while you are here on this earth. And for those of you with friends and family, this is going to sound like a very hard-hearted thing, but it is true. Even the people that you think love you because they are human beings in and of themselves cannot give you perfect love the way God and his blessed mother can because we as human beings are flawed and failed from the get-go from the moment of our mother's birth, unless we're saints, of course. And as I never get tired of saying, even the saints, even though the people around them thought that these were really devout and, and, and um, pious people, they themselves in their inside knew that just just how failed they were. And because they were saints, they didn't bother to sit and think, well, yeah, I'm a flawed and failed human being, but I'm really in touch with God. Therefore, I'm above everybody else who's not living to the same standard that I am. St. Teresa of Avila is famous for her quote where she says, be, and I'm paraphrasing badly here, 
She said, be, be your own worst critic and give everyone else the most generous benefit of the doubt that you can. That is the true attitude of a saint. And to those, you know, because I am not the most articulate of people, I'm going to try to explain this as simply as I can. The whole concept means that even, even from outward appearances, if it appears to you, not that if you're being saintly, it's going to, but let's, that, that you're really in touch with God, the thought should always be in the front of your skull that at the end of the day, you're no different than the worst, the most wretched of men. I mean, the absolute most wretched of men. And for you feminists out there, when I say men, I'm just talking about human beings. Okay? I'm not being chauvinistic. Anyhow, um, but it should be tattooed on the front of your skull. You, at the end of the day, you're no better than anyone else. You've just been giving, given a lot more graces than the other person. And you leave God to do the judging. You don't do the judging. You leave God to do the judging. And to end this particular thought, that that's where the old saying comes from, there but the there but for the grace of God go I. That's where that you know, that's that's the crux of what I'm trying to say. So if you are a true pious and devout Catholic. Or I, I, I'm sorry. Let me, I, I totally massacred that. If you are a true Catholic who's trying to be pious and devout, my best advice to you is don't expect mercy, don't expect love, don't expect righteous judgment. Least of all, don't expect um, for the love of all that is holy, don't expect um, I'm trying to think of how I can put this. Don't expect understanding, true understanding. While you're here on earth. And what I mean by true understanding is. Is that. If you have good. Goodwill. Wherever you're going. Doesn't necessarily need to be on the job. Store. Wherever. Don't expect people. To see that you have goodwill. Don't expect people to. Even attempt. To see that you have goodwill. And I'm saying this so that if a time comes where you are indeed being of sincere goodwill 
and somebody treats you like you just ran over their dog on purpose, that you will not be surprised when it happens. And the reason I'm stressing human fallibility is because if you are indeed sincerely striving for piety and devotion, you are going to understand that just as you yourself are a flawed, failed individual, the person that is disrespecting you or being an a-hole is the same flawed, failed human being that you are. It's just that that individual uh, has not been given the graces that you've been given. And if you're really on the road to sainthood, you're going to pray for that person. And pray that God gives them more graces and that they will come to the truth. So, I think that I've covered this pretty well. So, I'm going to end with this thought. If I were to summarize what I've just been talking about for the past 30 minutes, I would say, in all your dealings with human beings, and it's not a matter of enforcing the rules, raising your kids, or whatever, just as a general rule of thumb, err on the side of charity and mercy and I can't speak for anyone else I can only speak for myself um the part that really shows me just how failed I am as a person and a human being is the part where I'm attempting to live Jesus Christ and his blessed mother's example and, and, and principles that they laid out or they lay out and I fall short in one way or another. And then I get the grace of being shown, you know, when I'm reflecting on, you know, okay, where did I fail today? And I get shown, well, you weren't very charitable in this instance. Oh, you weren't very uh, merciful in this instance. And, um, I believe Father Bernard Utley in his Spiritual Life uh, podcast uh, talks about this concept. But I'm, I don't want to put words in his mouth because it has been a few months since I've listened to one of his last episodes. But I will say this, in my opinion, take it for what it's worth, I'm not speaking... Authoritatively or um, infallibly. This is just my thought. 
I think this is God's divine providence way of showing us, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm putting it clumsily because I'm not very articulate. This is God's way of keeping us humble. Because even when we're making a sincere, a very sincere and good faith effort, when we get showed where we fail throughout the day, the proper outcome should be of humbling us. Because that's another... That's another, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Human failing is we try to make excuses for ourselves. And in case I haven't made this clear, when I talk about this, I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of these very same things that I'm talking about. I am. That's why I'm using myself as the example. But if we have the proper spiritual mindset, when we get reminded of just how we failed, it should humble us and make us try to redouble our efforts. But part of being a human being is, is sometimes we will make excuses for ourselves. We will literally make excuses for ourselves. Well... He called me the A word, or uh, they insulted the Blessed Mother Mary, or, you know, um, they're really treating me unfairly, and, you know, this, you know, um, this isn't right. I'm not, well, according to to Jesus' teaching, We're not, you know, spiritual teachings and the teachings of ipso facto the saints, which is Jesus' teaching. Um, There comes a certain point in our spiritual lives where we should try not to make excuses for ourselves and just, you know, just say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, and ask Jesus and his blessed mother for the necessary help. To overcome it. But when I when I talk about making excuses, um, this is not a slam, you know. Um there are times when I make excuses for my own bad behavior. And later, you know, um God gives me the grace to realize. Oh, hey, I shouldn't have been making an excuse for myself. I was wrong. And then I have to go back and ask Mother Mary and Lord Jesus for their forgiveness and help me to, to overcome the, um, the fault. And... Um, There's a reason why in in traditional Catholic teachings they call the three enemies of the spirit the devil, the flesh, and the world. And 
you know, to the uninitiated, when they talk about the flesh, they're just basically talking about your natural, the natural aspect of you. You have the natural, which is centered here on earth, that is fighting with the supernatural, which is which is what your soul is. And they're constantly at work because your soul is the part of you that wants to reach God. And the natural part of you is the part of you that wants to do what you want to do without any regard to what God or his blessed mother might want. So anyway, I think I've covered this as best as I can. I want to thank you all. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, for those of you who gave me 40 minutes, um, even if you disagreed, if you listened to this whole thing to this point, um, it doesn't matter if you disagreed. I, I thank you for at least giving me a fair listening. I can't ask for much more than that. Uh, for what it's worth, I do care about you. And I pray for everyone. And I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.